begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, aka Star Raptor, here on the Star Raptor YouTube channel for Outer Rim Transmission, episode number 82. I'm joined by Ben this week. How's it going, Ben? Um, good, good. I'm I'm proud to announce I'm I'm joining the whole iPhone family, so now I'm part of that crowd. Boo! Android <laughs> for life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how this goes. But no, my uh, my, my week was pretty good overall. I'd say, like, um, you know, just a pretty good normal week. Uh, lifting, working on uh, trying to stick to to dieting. You know, it's obviously getting harder as, as like the holiday seasons and the colder weather starting to kick in. You know, there's more like people making homemade foods and stuff, and uh, so you know, it's definitely a tougher time in terms of dieting. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can say I did pretty good on it this week, and I'm just just working on it, trying to stick to it. Uh, you know, between that and then just uh, having a good time with all this Star Wars content lately. Yeah, we got Thanksgiving coming up here in the states in under two weeks' time. So uh, I've already just yep. got word from my uh, Thanksgiving arrangements happening uh, earlier today. So yeah, we're getting we're getting near that point where we just eat like just nothing's gonna come the next day like like tomorrow we're gonna die yep. we're gonna eat as much as we humanly can that's how we do it here in the states um forgot to mention this <laughs> off the top today's video we're gonna be going over or audio if you're listening we're gonna be going over Andor season one episode 10 titled uh no way Out" one way out we're also gonna be talking about a brand new announcement that just came out like an hour ago as of recording this on friday a studio ghibli production uh grogu and the dust bunnies is coming out early tomorrow morning so be on the lookout for that we also have official acolyte news and an official little blurb about what the show is about and much much more on this week's episode so i was strolling around new york city with my girlfriend we were in uh brooklyn in this dumbo region which is right between the bridges of manhattan and brooklyn there on the water's edge just a nice little kind of community and everything and we're just walking around and uh nothing says christmas like an atat blow-up thing that has like antlers and a red nose so i was like yep yeah, I've never seen this Christmas decoration, but it was literally like a big ass inflatable ATAT that had to be like ten feet high in front of like some bar. I was like, yeah, this is something interesting here. Oh yeah, you have to love seeing like those type of like Star Wars like Christmas themed things. Um, whether it be like those big like blow up ATATs, like you said, I've you know I've seen those before, or um, you know, like for us over here, we were uh. We were like taking stuff down out of the attic and whatnot, getting ready because you know in a few weeks we'll we'll all start to be like putting up our trees and everything. And uh, you know I had plenty of Star Wars ornaments like I saw like already, um, whether it be like the old classics. Like I have ones, heck, you know I was looking at them um, over the week. You know ones that were literally from you know, the late nineties, like the old Ooh. Phantom Menace ones, like yeah. those classic ones from that, that era, um, whether it be like some of the Phantom Menace characters or, you know, some of the classic, like Hallmark, uh, like the really realistic, like stormtroopers or Leia's or Boba Fett's or Luke's like those type of ones, like the big glass heads. Um, mm -hmm. like I was looking at some of those, uh, yeah, I mean, I have plenty of those type of ornaments, and once we like start getting them more and more out, I'm, I'll have to bring them on the show and have a little show and tell. 
Yeah, speaking of ornaments, there's a lot of good ones coming out this year from Hallmark. Yep. Well, they're already out. I went into the store. I forgot to show this one off. I got a Luke Skywalker Mandalorian Season 2 finale chopping a Dark Trooper in half. Like, it's so oh, that's badass. Awesome. It's probably the, the coolest looking ornament I have because it's such uh, action based with kinetic but yeah you see like you see the torso of a dark trooper like on the ground and, and Luke has this like heroic stance it's like oh man I have to buy this but they have other ones they have Grogu and Mando with Grogu's helmet I mean, with uh, Mando's helmet off they have mm -hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi from Original Sith they have the Razor Crest and they have some other original trilogy ones um, out for this year uh, just this year alone so um Nice. I'm probably gonna have to go back and get the Obi Wan Kenobi one. I I don't think I have any Obi Wan Kenobi uh, Hallmark. Uh, I usually get like multiple a year because yeah. it's part of like one of my traditions. My mom usually gets me one, but I couldn't even wait. I was like, I seen that Luke one, and as I walked in, I was like, I'm buying this now. <laughs> oh yeah, those are those are the best. That's kind of the tradition we have as well. Like my mom or dad, they'll get me, or my sister, they'll. They'll like surprise me with a Star Wars random Star Wars ornament. I mean, mm -hmm. I've gotten plenty. Don't get me wrong. You know, everyone always everyone always forgets like what ornaments they got, and like I've gotten so many Darth Vader helmets. It's not not even funny over the years. Oh yeah. Um, between those and then one of the coolest ornaments I have actually. I'm talking about ornaments I saw over the weekend when or over the week when we were getting those out. Um, so it's literally, it's like the size of like a mini like a toy like it's literally it's probably like the size mm. of like your fist i would say almost the size of your fist and it's a it's darth vader's tie fighter and the cool thing is it has a thing underneath it where you can put a christmas light in it so like what i do is like whenever i hang that one up i make sure to put it on one of the red lights oh, so yeah. then the cool thing is the cool thing is like it lights up the cabin of the tie fighter and mm. you actually see darth vader inside the lit up cabin you know on the ornament, so it's pretty Wait, cool. Is this a newer one that came out in the last couple of years? No, this one's probably like twenty. It's it's around Revenge of the Sith time when that, that oh. I got that one. Okay, because they have a couple out uh, recently where it's like they have a special power adapter, and it's got like yep. different connectors, and you connect like your Star Destroyer and your Tie Advance, and like they have a scene that that plays out between them all. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's that's cool. I yeah. I just love. That, that's one thing I always enjoy so much like about the holiday season is like these type of fun like Star Wars themed you know like things oh hell yeah Star Wars and Christmas goes together so well ever since 2015 with the Force Awakens and you know it's been that yep. it's been that way ever since this year uh, it's not going to be so much of a Star Wars Christmas because there's not going to be anything on at that hour or that time of year or it's more like an avatar Christmas I guess you could say yeah, I mean, I mean, Avatar. There's some rumors about maybe a maybe a trailer sometime in December for Mando. We'll see. Um, so you know, there's a chance for that. But yeah, it's going to be more of an Avatar Christmas for sure. Oh yeah. So we have in the chat Erin Daly. She's saying, "I love Studio Ghibli movies. I'm looking forward to seeing the short." So we'll talk about that in a few moments. But for those of you that are watching, thanks for watching. Leave a comment down if you aren't watching this live or after the fact you can go ahead and send us an email at outerrimtransmission at gmail.com we go live every friday night at nine o'clock eastern time and we also have this recording up later on for you to download for your travels usually on monday mornings so getting into it our week in star wars uh complete 
Unless you have something else to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I mean, that was pretty much. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty much my week in Star Wars, yeah. like the the Christmas ornament stuff, and that was pretty much it. I was like, hey, gotta gotta talk about this on the podcast because it's that time of year, and you know, inevitably, when it comes to Star Wars, I'll just add this as well. Like, it is one of the most fun time of year. I feel like for me personally as a fan, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners can relate to because you know whenever you go to the family events, like you're always the Star Wars person and like everybody's like, Oh, did you check out this new Star Wars blah 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 or whatever, you know, like there's always someone there talking about Star Wars to you because like you're the Star Wars person in the family and that's like mm-hmm. always me. Like, you know, I'm always the Star Wars person. Like it's like last year, I literally got three Grogu's as, as you know, our, our listeners can remember, Mm -hmm, Um, you know, I got, I got, I got three Grogu's last year and then we got, um, you know, so it's, it's just always a fun, like Star Wars conversation around the holidays. Like I always have a good time with that just because like to me anyways, Star Wars is a nice, like, it's kind of like sports, like. You know, you can talk, like, if you're, if you're a fan of the NFL, for example, like, you can talk NFL football with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, any NFL fan, does, doesn't matter who they are, how old, what gender, what race, whatever. Like, you can talk NFL with anybody. And, like, that's kind of how Star Wars is. Like, you can talk Star Wars with anyone. It's like at a family gathering. It's like, hey, anybody who, old, young, whatever, like, you can talk Star Wars stuff with anybody. And that's always one of the most fun parts for me, anyways, is kind of like being that Star Wars person in the family. Oh, yeah, that's uh, for sure. Sometimes it's actually too much because they're like, they're pointing out something and I'm just like, yeah, I get it, guys. I get it. I'm I'm the Star Wars guy. You know, I don't like just Star (laughs) Wars. Okay. I like other things, too, every once in a while. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, we all we all have been there. Like everybody like you, me, our listeners, I'm sure like like, you know, if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, you're like you're that Star Wars person in your family, probably. So, uh, like, you know, yeah, I'm sure we've all been there with family and, and friends. I mean, like I said before, like, I've had, you know, relatives put up our podcast actually in the background of some oh, of yeah. our family events. So that's that's always great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, we're, we're like the Star Wars people. and it, It's fun and we always have a good time with it. And, you know, that's kind of just always like a tradition for me is like talking Star Wars with family on, on the holidays coming up. Yeah. Heck yeah. So. We have a couple releases this week. They're both from the High Republic, brand new era of Star Wars storytelling. First one's a big one. We have a big reference art book here. We have Star Wars, The Art of the High Republic, written by Kristen Baver. This thing is awesome, man. I, I, I don't know about you. But I don't know if you've ever gotten any of the Star Wars movie art books, have you? Like for Rogue One or Force Awakens or anything like that? Yeah, I have... Um... I have the I have the um the original like concept like the art books from the uh, prequel trilogy when they were coming out. Okay, yeah, I mean this book is so large as you see I'm like struggling trying to get it in the frame without like bumping yep. my mic. But yeah, there's yeah, just, that's what's crazy. really what's really cool about this book is it's almost like a history as well of like the initiation and the process of how they even got this uh this whole thing off the road, off the ground, right? As far as like getting the different writers, getting the art team. They have a cool page in here, which is just everybody's involvement in this thing and their title at Lucasfilm. So they have like all the artists, they have different directors and people that work at Lucasfilm, their names and like what they do there. So it was pretty cool because like there is a lot of people 
in just a publishing project. Like it almost looked like it was something like you would see basically for a movie, like all these big names. So um, really awesome artwork and the large format just really lets the artwork shine. I've never had any of these other artworks, but since this is more like a history of the creation of the High Republic, I feel like I had to pick this one up. They even have some tidbits about, oh, this concept, what's, what's really neat is like, oh, for instance, like this character's concept was for this character originally, but then we decided to go with a different concept for that character, but we're using this concept for somebody in phase two. So there's actually like hints of things happening that we haven't seen yet hidden in this book. So for those of you like me that are looking for every little tidbit, like you're going to get some nuggets out of this thing that you might actually enjoy. So I have not really dived that far into it. Um, as you see, it was pretty large book as far as not just the, the size, but like the amount of pages in it. So um, I'm going to just kind of go through a little bit every week and because uh, we do have that book coming out at the end of the month, uh, Star Wars Convergence, which will definitely be yep. a priority for me to get through. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of good stuff on the horizon. That wasn't the only um, book uh, that came out for the High Republic. We had the High Republic issue number two. Uh, it's dealing with the people on Jeddah and a lot of crazy, fun, zany stuff happening there. But um, highly recommend what's interesting about this one. It's, it's like they're che they're treating like Jeddah essentially like it's Jerusalem in the modern era, where it's mm -hmm. like you know Jerusalem has like three major religions and they're always fighting over the land and all that. It's kind of the same thing in this. It's like you got your Jedi, but you have the path of the open hand. You have the the disciples of the wills, like these different like uh, force groups that are claiming the territory, so to speak, and being territorial and you know, bickering against one another while they're there in the same spot. So I have to imagine that's where they kind of created, Captain Scott created that whole thing. So for me to see that like real life kind of mythos being affected in, in the, you know, the Star Wars fiction of it all is kind of neat. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that like goes back to like the original trilogy. Like, you know, George Lucas had so much inspiration from historical events as well as like other things, obviously. And uh, it's, it's just cool seeing, like, that whole inspiration uh, put into Star Wars, whether it be, like, the books, like you mentioned with this one, or, you know, the, the movies or shows or games or whatever it may be. Like, it's great seeing, like, that connection. Because I feel like even without them directly saying it, you know, you can have that... It, it's, like, subconscious connection. Like, that's why a lot of the stuff resonates with people because it connects with you without, like, having to directly say it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very cool, insightful, insightful thing. So that's what's out this week for Star Wars. Next week, we have the beginning of the Hidden Empire, which is maybe Kira from Solo's Last Stand in Star Wars. Because she's going up against Vader and Emperor, and you don't see how that's going to go well if you know what happens later on with Return of the Jedi. <laughs> they're, spoiler alert, they're still around. So what the hell happens with her? We'll have to read those five issues over the next several months to figure that out. So that's what you can look forward to next week. But what you can look forward to tomorrow. Oh, look at that segue. We got some really cool stuff that literally just popped up from... Twitter accounts, not even on StarWars.com. <laughs> so bring this back like two or three days. Actually, I think it was just yesterday. Studio Ghibli, the makers of renowned Japanese anime, animation, um, 
they are partnering with Lucasfilm. So they had this short little teaser video on their on their Twitter account. Today, and at that point, we didn't know what it was going to be. Hell, it could have been an Indiana Jones anime for all we know. But then they, t- but they posted today a little image on our Twitter of, with little Grogu. Then, as of seven o'clock tonight on Friday, they put out a poster for uh, Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Now we had heard word of this. I thought it was going to be some YouTube thing, like you know they have the YouTube Kids channel, and I was like. That's why I told you in in the chat, I was like, I don't really pay this any mind because, you know, they put out so much stuff on a Star Wars Kids YouTube channel, which is great. It's not aimed at me, which is why I'm just like, I'm not even going to really talk about it. But the point of this is that, 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 you know, this isn't just any developer or not developer, but studio. It's it's like the world's like most respected studio with Japanese animation. And they're putting it a little short out tomorrow. Um, I'm going to read from our comments section here from Dark Nerdy Gonzo. Let's not stop short as strongly rumored, but as a whole damn movie from them. Princess Momoka and Grave of Fireflies for Life. Um, so, yeah, he's he's excited for that. And uh, I'm trying to look for something else um, on Twitter because all this stuff just here's the thing broke. To, here's the thing to throw out there. You know what tomorrow is, though, don't you? Oh yes, uh, like the, the anniversary, right, of Mandalorian or something? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the anniversary of the of Mandalorian and Disney Plus coming out. So, like, oh. you know, I'm sure that. Yeah, think about it. that's probably why they're doing it because it's it's the it's the three year anniversary of Mando season one episode one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got so I uh, yeah, I have the official little tweet from Disney Plus now. Uh, they are saying Discover Zen, Grogu, and Dust Bunnies, a hand-drawn animation by Studio Ghibli, is streaming tomorrow on Disney Plus. That's all we have. They're, they're, they didn't even put up an article on StarWars.com, so this is try. They're trying to hold this as close to the chest as they possibly could. I'm just happy that this wasn't something that they just drew out over the next several months. <laughs> you know, I was expecting yep. like, oh, they're gonna drag this out. Like what I was expecting this to be was one of the Star Wars Visions Season 2 things, which we know it's not coming out till next spring. And I was like, yeah, they're really getting ahead of this quite early, apparently. Because we know that is they're, they're going to have studios from around the world, not just Japan at that point. So I was like, okay, that's their Japan studio for that. That's safe to assume. But no, this is fantastic. Oh, for sure. Like, the fact that it's coming out tomorrow is great. Because, like, to me, what I actually thought of when I started seeing and hearing buzz about this was I was like, if this is going to be something for everyone that's seen ice age, I was thinking this was going to be, we are going to have kind of a little mini Grogu marketing campaign, kind of like ice age would with the squirrel and like, mm-hmm. you know, have little tidbits of Grogu over the next few months, like you said, and just drag it out and then eventually get to the episode or whatever it is that's getting released. I was thinking it was going to get drug out for months and months but the fact they're just dropping it on us, like, hats off to them. Like, give us more surprises like that. You know, we don't have to have the most, like, spectacular, live-action, big cinematic thing. Like, give us little surprises like this. Like, us as fans, you know, we appreciate it. And um, I, I think it should be a lot of fun, personally. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a big proving ground. Um, you know, since it is a short, you yeah. know, we've, we've just seen the shorts for Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, which range from 10 to 15 minutes. I'm, I'm thinking this thing's probably going to be like two or three minutes, if I'm being honest, because you look at what they did with the Marvel uh, shorts with the Groot shorts there, about two and a half, three minutes at the most. So I'm not expecting th yep. anything much more than that. I'm not expecting this to be like blowing anybody's mind. In fact, I don't know much about the history of Studio Ghibli. And I got to admit something here on the podcast. I've never seen anything with Studio Ghibli. At least I've never mm -hmm. sat through something completely in recent years. I might have rented a video from Blockbuster Video like back in 1997 or something and maybe watched some of it as a kid. But recently they have all that stuff on HBO Max. So if it wasn't going to be coming out tomorrow, I would have done my homework and like watched at least one or two of these before this is going to come out. But I'm I'm expecting just like a no narration, no dialogue, just a cutesy little Grogu messing around with these dust bunnies, which apparently are from Spirited Away, I think. So I, from what I've seen on the Twitter for the little amount of research I've done in the last 30 minutes, it looks like these like little creatures on this poster are tied to something now we have some people like dark dark nerdy gonzo that might actually be able to cue us up on some of that speculation wise but if that's the case like i'm gonna assume this is gonna be treated like star wars visions where it's not exactly canon but it's just like a very stylistic uh approach for a renowned japanese studio to do what they want with a very uh respected and popular character in star wars oh for sure and i mean you know doing it on the anniversary of Mando, you know, they're just pretty much, like you said, they're going to go in and they're going to cute it up with Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Like, that's that's what it's going to be. And people are probably going to eat it up. Like, you know, we'll see people talking about it, tweeting about it tomorrow, and be like, oh, look, it's the three-year anniversary of Mando, blah, 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 blah. It's so cute. Look how cute Grogu is with these Dust Bunnies. Cute, cute, cute. You know, that's you're going to see a lot of that because there'll be a lot of little moments with Grogu, you know, a little not even a lot, probably a couple little cute moments and people will eat it up. Um, so I think we'll get something like that for sure. And again, to me, them releasing this also again plays into like some of the, um, some of the stuff we're hearing about a potential trailer in the next month or two. Like I think this could be maybe the tip of the marketing iceberg for Mando season three. Um, I think there's a good chance of that being connected to it. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, like you said, it'll be a nice few few minute short little thing. Maybe I don't know, maybe maybe ten minutes at the very max. Like very max. Uh but I don't I don't see it being much more than ten minutes at the most. I can't hear you, Chris. Uh, usually Monday it's a s slow day in the entertainment industry, but it wasn't that slow this Monday because we got the entire cast, or at least the majority principal cast of Star Wars The Acolyte. We finally got confirmation. I'm reading it from the source itself, StarWars.com. The Acolyte original series cast revealed the Leslie, Hesle Leslie Headland Helm Disney Plus original series will take fans to the High Republic era. I'm going to just stop right there seeing how front and center the High Republic is 
in this announcement gets me so freaking excited. I know, I'm just... Anything High Republic, you already know I'm going to be shouting from the rooftops like, yes, but the fact that they're tying the next live-action Star Wars big series that people are really looking forward to Thai Republic is freaking awesome. Um, I will continue. Um, this is a Monday to celebrate. Yes, Monday we don't get we don't get big news except this Monday we did. Fantastic, keeping us on our toes. Anyway, today Disney Plus announced the cast for the Acolyte, an upcoming Star Wars original series from Lucasfilm, joining the previously announced Amanda Stenberg from The Hate You Give, our Emmy Award winner Lee Jung Jae, Squid Game. That confirmation. Uh, of the rumor we had. We also have Manny Jacinto, another confirmation from Nine Perfect Strangers. Daphne Keene, that was rumored last week, his Dark Materials, and I don't know why they didn't just say Logan, because she's amazing in that. Uh, we also have Jodie Turner-Smith, not familiar with her, from Queen and Slim. We have Rebecca Henderson from Inventing Anna, not familiar with her either. Basically, I'm not familiar with any of these people until the last one I'm about to name. Charlie Barnett from Russian Doll, which is interesting because Les Leslie Headland, that's her show she made, so she brought one of her actors over there. We also have Dean Charles Chapman from 1917. And this is the big one here. Big one here. Shocker. Carrie Ann Moss, a.k.a. Trinity from The Matrix is going to be in this. Also from Iron Fist. There you go. <laughs> Iron what? Fist fans out there rejoice. I don't think there's many of them. But I just want to stop here before we go any further. What was your reaction to this, man? What is your excitement well, level? What is your familiarity with some of these cast members? Yeah, I mean, I mean, for starters, I was excited for one. For the number one, number one reason, we say it all the time, you, you have the, the platform to do it. The fact that it's coming from StarWars.com and not The Hollywood Reporter, not Deadline, not anywhere else. It's coming from the actual company. I love it. Like, keep giving us information like that. Like, that's what we, that's all we ask for as fans. Just communicate the info. And look, we're all excited about it. Like, I, I loved getting a big announcement like that. It was a great way to start the week. And then as for the cast, you know, like you said, the cast has so many great people in it. Um, from, uh, from, like I said, Trinity, from her, uh, to... Squid Games guy to obviously Amanda Stenberg being, you know, obviously she's still going to be the acolyte, I'm sure. Um, and then everybody in between, I mean, um, uh, Jody Turner Smith, I believe she was in Spartacus actually. If any, if anyone's seen that, like the Spartacus TV show back in the day from like the 2010s, like I'm pretty sure she was in that show. If I, if I, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure. But, um, you know, she was really good back then. So mm -hmm. she's a good actress. Um, and, you know, there's, it's a good, it's building out to be a really good list of actors on this list. And it's, it's getting me more excited for the show, for the possibilities. Like you said, they put the High Republic out right front and center. I mean, that, that sets up a lot of different things. I mean, heck, for content creators like you, Chris, you know, like, as we lead up to the Acolyte, when we hear more about it, you can... You, you know, I'm sure you and other content creators will like do like acolyte, you know, what to know about the High Republic leading into the acolyte, like those type of videos. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we'll be, we'll be getting plenty of that. So, like, it's great for content creators, it's great for the fans, it's great for everybody involved. Like, I loved, absolutely loved getting news like this. Yeah, fantastic. And what I love, and they did this with Obi Wan, I'm not sure if they did this maybe with The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker, they put out this official 
banner image, if you will, of the actors yep. and their names. And it's a, whenever you see that floating around on Twitter, it just warms my heart, my Star Wars loving heart, because it's like, yes, I could, I could put faces to these actors now. And as with all Star Wars things, I always say this, I'd rather go in with a new unknown cast more than anything else, because then I'm able to imprint these legendary, hopefully iconic characters um, with their characters in Star Wars. Then I'll see these characters. I'll see this dude from the Squid Game. If I ever watch Squid Game, I'll be like, that's the guy from the Acolyte. Or whenever I see Amanda Sedber, yep. that's the girl from the Acolyte. You know, and then it just becomes like Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, well, Harrison Ford. I also can call him Indy, so it's not just Han Solo all the time. But you know what I mean. So yeah. it's cool to get like these these actors that probably uh, most most of us that are following Star Wars might have not not seen them if we're really into the genre stuff um but yeah i'm, I'm excited to get uh carrie ann moss uh, such gravitas she was the last thing i seen her in was the matrix 4 which was interesting i got to rewatch that movie um because yeah. i was feeling just fine about it but she did a good job um other than that i don't know what else she's been in lately definitely uh iron fist was the only other thing i've seen her in uh but yeah it's cool to have a, another science fiction series crossing over um we also got this behind the scenes picture of Amanda Stenberg and Lee Jung Jae at uh, Leslie Headland just directing her so we have Leslie Headland who will also be directing the series pilot which is pretty nice um I think uh, let's see who's uh from creator showrunner executive producer so she's writing it Leslie Headland we, we've known that for a while and they're producing it in the UK so when I go to the UK in about five months' time for Star Wars Celebration, I might have to keep my ear down to the ground to see if there's any place I can maybe visit real quick while I'm out there. <laughs> Hopefully not too yeah, far away I mean, from London. Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I would definitely, um, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. Like, you know, there's definitely a chance because, you know, who knows? Or if not, even if, even if you can't, like, see, like, where they're shooting the sets and stuff are, like, if you can, if you can even get a uh, hint on where they shot at before there, like you know, you might be able to check out some of the locations, like because you know over there there's so many different like iconic Star Wars, um, like like locations they've shot mm -hmm. at and stuff. I mean, heck, say what you want, um, or say what I want about like the Last Jedi. I'd love to go over to I think it's Scotland, wherever that island's at. Um, oh yeah. You know they they did the whole stuff with Luke. Like I would love to go to the Octu place. Like that would be amazing. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So the the biggest juiciest thing out of this is we did get our first little blurb, our first synopsis. It's not even really synopsis. It's a single statement that just tells you so much. So I'm going to read right from StarWars.com here. We have the Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. Oh my gosh, that's exciting. Just write that. We got another sentence here to get through. <laughs> a former Padawan <laughs> reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Ben, I'm pretty sure I kind of predicted that's kind of what the show is going to be about for months now. Yep. About you got this Sith power that the Jedi and the Phantom Menace are so dogmatic and know that they're always in power. Mace Windu saying, you know, the Sith have been, uh, you know, exterminated for a millennium. They haven't existed. 
Well, they have been there the whole time. They've been working in pairs, right? The master and apprentice. But there's been instances where people probably have gotten killed. You look at Yaddle that we've seen in Tales of the Jedi. Dooku kills her and then they cover it up somehow. So stuff like that is what I expect out of the show about whoever comes in contact with these people are going to get off pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Like, you know, like you mentioned, you you talked about, I feel like, gosh, you, me, and Milton, we were talking about it on here months and months ago. It may have been six months ago we started talking about this sort of stuff because uh, it just feels like the natural, like, progression of where the show would be at. Like, there has to be some type of, like, you know, Jedi being dogmatic, like, some type of a Sith power, you know, people probably kind of like your murder mystery, people getting taken out. Like, I'm sure we're going to get some, like, no-name Jedi get killed and taken out in the first episode, you know, just to, like, you know, show a point to us as the audience, like, oh, man, type deal. Um, and then the fact that uh, it makes me wonder, you know, when it's talking about the Padawan, it makes me wonder if the Padawan is a Mandela Stenberg. Like, it makes makes you wonder, you know, start putting, like, names, like, slotting in names with characters. Um, yeah. Like, That's, just because yeah. it's, like, it, it's got to be her, right? Yeah, I mean, just look at the image. Just, I think this just spells it out for us right now. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, Lee Jung-jae, Mandela Stenberg. Uh, Lee Jung-jae, obviously, is quite a bit older um, he's probably in his thirties yep. or forties. I'm assuming she's in her late teens, if not early twenties. Um, and it's saying, you know, former Padawan reunites with her Jedi master. So at one point he trained her. She is, I guess, yep. why, I don't know why they worded it that way. A former Padawan, like, she why don't they just say Jedi Knight? She, she left the order. That's interesting. Is she... Is she one of the lost 20 that we, you know, see down the road in one of the, you know, higher public? You got uh, Keeve Trennis that will eventually leave the order when we find out that Obi uh, Yoda's talking about that in a D Dooku Jedi lost audio drama from Command Sky. This is what I mean. I, I, like this stuff, I'm rambling off the top of my head. This is the kind of stuff that I expect to have references to in this show all over the freaking place. But... It's a very interesting thing. Yeah, so I, I, I feel like she is the former apprentice. He's going to be the Jedi Master. But what I think is she's going to ultimately be the Acolyte. I think through discovering, and this is where my pure speculation, I've not read anything, so I will preface that. Spoilers, I don't know anything so far. What I imagine in my head is she's going to be going around with her Jedi Master to find out what's going on with this and ends up getting you know absorbed into the Sith essentially like becoming one of them and then becoming the acolytes down the road. I mean, we have a, a character that became like that already with Asajj Ventress. She was a Padawan at one point and she became an acolyte underneath Dooku. She was turned to the dark side. So I could see something like that happening and the show maybe, I don't know how many episodes or anything, but like maybe episode... That could be the zinger at the end of episode one that hooks hooks us immediately. You know, at the end of episode one, she turns it, or it could be the end of the season. I don't know. But there's so much promise here. So that's that I know my thing is pretty a pretty predictable and easy, easy storyline. There's not much <laughs> nuance there, but yeah. I mean that that's the first thing I thought I, of. I mean I mean it's not even that. I mean that's 
it's not even predictable because like that's like the path you know i don't want to sound like like we're know-it-all star wars fans you know but like that's the path like these characters take in the universe like whether you know like if you're say if you're a former padawan for example like we can kind of connect the dots here former padawan maybe kicked out of the order or you know isn't accepted to be a knight or whatever so you know maybe she's a little bit scorned and maybe you know she starts dabbling in the dark side a little bit like you know we can see that progression just based on like you know our history with star wars as a whole whether it be like with anakin for example um or like you said you got a zaj ventress you got you got different inquisitors i mean look look what happened like with reva like reva mm-hmm. reva felt scorned by the jedi basically so like you know you have these different things um that point to former padawans or former jedi like turning so i think it i think it'll go in that type of a direction like you said yeah. that may be our zinger that might be our hook um heck i mean who knows maybe the first episode is kind of like a a flashbacky type thing of her leaving you know and we get to the present day boom where she's bad or something like i think it's going to go along those type of lines and then an interesting point that you you mentioned when you were reading those couple sentences was like the growing like the growing dark side power or sith power Mm -hmm. however it was worded Mm -hmm. like to me that screams you know obviously the overall like dark side's growing like there's more of a dark side threat but also i mean even if it's in the finale we have to be getting darth plagueis in this series i feel like it has to be coming like like because like this is the perfect era for darth plagueis and the thing is with him he doesn't have to even overshadow the show. Like, you know, it can he can make the appearance like the Emperor did, say, in Kenobi, like, very, very briefly. And just, just so we know, boom, he's there. And, like, just to confirm, you know, she's, like, Amanda Slimberg, for example, is, the, is like, the acolyte, the bad, the bad yeah. person on the block or whatever. And, like, I think, I think we're heading in that direction. Um... Just because of the time period. Like, see, that that's another thing as well. You know, they've talked about, or, you know, there's been different, like, things out there about the time period of this being, like, 50 to 100 years or 125, whatever the years. Like, it kind of slots in with a young Darth Plagueis, you know? So I feel like mm-hmm. there's a chance we maybe even run into a young Plagueis at some point. Yeah. Uh, going over just uh, my immediate reaction to reading about a former Padawan and Jedi Master, and, I, and I, I'll, I'll kind of speak for some of the people out there who might have been a little bit, had their expectations subverted with, I don't even know if it's possible because the thing isn't out yet, but I think a lot of us read that title, said the accolade, went, oh, we're following an evil person. We're following a bad person right off the rip. And then you read this and it's like, wait, we're following Jedi again. Like, oh, Actually, is this like false Chris, advertisement or what? <laughs> hold, hold on. Can you actually... Can you reread that line? The former paddle. Like, can you reread that? Because I, I want to double check something. Yeah, a former. You want me to read from the beginning about the the, the shadowy secrets and all that? Just the former Padawan sentence, like that. Right. That's that line. All right. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series oh. of crimes, but the forces mm. they confront okay. are more sinister than they ever anticipated. Okay, never mind. See, because <laughs> I, at first I thought you said a former Padawan and Jedi Master, like meaning they were both former. But so she's reuniting with him as a Jedi still. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Hmm. Interesting. I don't know then. Because, see, at first I thought you were meaning both were former, but never mind. Like, so they're both, or, sh- you know, he's a Jedi still, she's former. Like, that's... Yeah. Man, that's really interesting. That's, so I feel I'm, I'm excited like, for this show. Yeah, I feel like what's happening is um, Lee Jung-jae, if he is indeed the Jedi Master, is tasked by the Jedi Council to investigate these series of crimes. So he knows that his former Padawan is involved with the unsavory aspects of the Star Wars galaxy. So maybe he looks to her for help and was like, hey, look, can you do me a favor? Like, can you, like, take me to one of your, like, little locations? And, like, I need to get this information. And in doing so, they get enveloped. That's that's what I'm thinking, maybe, perhaps, because it's interesting with the crimes and all that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Also, so, here's another yeah. thing, too. Um, I was going to ask you, I'm not sure in, in the... Uh, in some of the higher public stuff, I mean, like I said, I've checked out some of it here and there, but I'm not nearly as in depth as you are. Is there any potential higher public Jedi that could get taken out that might be in this show? Like that might just be thrown in the show as like kind of cannon fodder. Like you could see like someone oh, like, yeah. like a side character or anything. Oh yeah. There's, there's so many characters um, that they could throw in here. I mean, granted, so a lot of the characters right now are 200 years before the events, or if this is oh. what I think it is, this might be like a hundred years after the stuff we're reading in the higher public. And I don't know anything mm-hmm. um, uh, specifically. I remember there was one source book that came out and it said something like the higher public era, like ended like 90 or 80 years before the Phantom Menace, and there was just like the pre-Phantom Menace era, whatever that's going to be called. I don't know. So, but from what I gathered, like, phase one of the High Republic is 200 years before Phantom Menace. So if you have like one of those longer-lived aliens, but you're certainly not going to have Avar Chris or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Elzar Man yeah. or Belzettafar, like, they're all human characters, unless they're like Numenorians from the Lord of the Rings universe, where they can live like 300 <laughs> years because they have some magic gift from the elves like they're going to be dead by then you know so that's going to be interesting um but i like is currently in a higher public without spoiling anything there's these creatures called the nameless and they're going around they've been discovered and they're killing jedi but they can't be known to exist at phase two because in phase one they're first discovered there which is after phase two. It's very weird. But anyway, so basically what I'm trying to get out here is they're sort of telling a similar story in a higher public to this idea of if you come in contact with one of these nameless creatures and you're at this point in time, you have to be killed because no one is supposed to be alive with this information. So I'm seeing what's happening in the books right now going to be analogous to the situation of when these Sith Darksiders come into contact with somebody, they got to be killed. <laughs> so it's going to be... Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, the, the thing is, too, with that, to keep in mind, I remember, like, last year, or whenever the first stuff initially came out about Leslie Headland um, heading up this series, was, you know, I remember she had talked about, uh, you know, reading different Star Wars Legends books from back in the day. So, like, the good thing is with that, not even the fact that she's read some of the Legends books, the fact that maybe she like you know talk to some of the people they're like hey what what do we have going on right now for like this era of star wars obviously like you said boom it says the high republic right in there so i'm sure she when she came onto the show was like hey what 
you know, like what's all going on around this time period that we can like get involved and like kind of cross into the story. So like, I feel like there's a good chance, you know, some of the stuff is going to be included, you know, and like pay off. Yeah. If we see like the nameless creatures that are basically horrifying where they are these, these very, they almost look like Cthulhu type, like tentacle feline creatures that can like, Basically, if you use the force and are sensitive with the force, they will basically suck the living daylights out of you to the point where you turn to a pile of ash. And it's very violent how they do that. So if they actually put that on the screen, that'd be incredible. Um, And one last point to make about this is I just can't wait to see more about what's happening with creating a brand new era of Star Wars in live action. Right, we haven't even really seen this in animation yet. This era, so the fact that they are going to be building this from the ground up, they don't have, you know, like Andor or Obi Wan. It's like oh, they they can go into Rogue One and take some of the stuff out of storage and use it or whatever or whatever movie. Right, they have to make everything from ground one, like the Phantom Menace, where they had to make all this. This stuff is going to be taken so place so far beforehand. They're going to have no choice but to have an entire prop shop just around the clock, probably just working on this stuff, you know. So I, I can't wait to see that the the drastic difference in the aesthetics of a Star Wars show that's set so far before everything we know so far. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the aesthetics will be interesting. The costume design is gonna be really interesting of the characters, um, the vehicles. You know there'll obviously be some Easter eggs in the show because like there always has to be with Star Wars. Um and uh, it's going to be interesting. And then the music. The music is going to be very interesting mm. to see because I feel like the way it's already getting described, I think we're going to get kind of like the mystery, like, you know, mystery theme music. It's going to be real mysterious and like, like kind of creepy. Like, you know, kind of like how you have Palpatine's like kind of creepy Sith music. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be something, you know, it'll be stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I am very much looking forward to because we haven't, uh, we have the audio dramas, but I don't think they really have original scores for like the High Republic yet. That's really the yeah. only thing we're missing. We're gonna get a video game. We're gonna have every possible outlet, except maybe a movie. So far, at least that they haven't touched with this whole publishing program that it first started out as, and it's now yeah. branching, branching out. So yes, yeah, so we don't have a date on when this is coming out. Filming has started, so. I don't know how long. I mean, you look at Andor, that was filming for like two years. So who knows? They don't even give us a date or any kind of thing. But at the earliest, it would be not until 2024, probably mid-2024, late 2024 would be would yep. be my guess. So we got a long wait. But my hope is the next time we'll get an update on this will be a panel at Star Wars Celebration Europe giving us like maybe for those at least in the audience like maybe like a little bit of behind the scenes because at that point they'll be shooting for five months so they'll have plenty of stuff and they're going to be in the uk so they could just simply like get all the actors be like hey why don't you come down to london for a day half a day and we're going to just talk and show them some behind the scenes stuff and you know maybe even have like a little concept teaser or something like that and be like oh here's our villains here's our like they have a good potential to have that as like the headlining feature of celebration because at that point the only thing else they'd be promoting would be ahsoka well obviously that'd be huge actually they'd, yeah. they'd want to ah- be so- having ahsoka is going to be the big ahsoka's one. Gonna be the tidal wave though and skeleton crew because that's also going to be out yeah. yeah i think i think the high republic i mean i think you call it i think we're gonna get the high republic um the acolyte 
gosh, I'm already calling the show The High Republic, but the, <laughs> the Acolyte, um, I think with Celebration, we're going to get what you just described for the most part. I think, you know, of course, Ahsoka's going to be the headliner. You'll get, I think Skeleton Crew, it's going to, I don't know, they have to have an interesting trailer, I feel like, for that. Like, the Acolyte is more interesting to me than Skeleton Crew just because you're getting involved with the Force, you know, the dark side, like, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, heck, what if, like, what if we just get, like, of a, you know, you, you go to Celebration, of course, with you going there. I mean, they might have, like, a surprise panel with Leslie Headland and, like, Amanda Stenberg, mm-hmm. Sternberg and some of the cast. And, uh, you know, what if they just show us, like, a little either a concept poster or even just like, I always go back to the rogue one, like the generic rogue one trailer yeah. of like Obi-Wan's voice with tie fighters flying overhead or whatever in the trees, like that sort of like generic trailer. I think there's like a chance. Maybe we just get like a little 15 second, like generic, uh, type deal type trailer. Yeah. Um, just because it's like by that time, you know, of course you have Ahsoka, but why not? Why not just, like, I don't know. I, to me, I'm just a person like, why not? Just, like, give it, give give us all of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, now that you mentioned Skeleton Crew, I'm like, how do we have the cast announced for this so far in advance and Skeleton Crew is coming out, like, late next year and we still don't know anything about who's in it besides Jude Law? That kind of blows my yeah. mind a little bit. Yeah, none of the kids are out there for the show. Like, and normally, you know, uh, child acting like the child actors get leaked a lot of times and you know none of the kids got leaked yet for the show um the, literally like you said the only person i mean the only adult that's been out there is jude law that's it like i don't know anybody else that's in the series um so it's just like i don't know i don't know that's a whole nother like discussion i feel like because mm-hmm. skeleton crew could go a, that show could go a million different directions oh yeah so we got my buddy in here in the chat tonight. His name's Battling Boston's. I know he's going to be very appreciative yep. of me talking about this for at least a few minutes. We have a brand new Star Wars, maybe plastic addiction on our hands because we had Atomic Mass Games <laughs> putting out this random Twitch stream for like 10 minutes on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday announcing a new Star Wars miniature game um, that's going to be a skirmish squad based game called Star Wars Shatterpoint. Um, it looks like they're going to be brand new models. They're going to be Clone Wars based and you're going to have kind of like their version of Marvel Crisis Protocol where it's like you might have a team of like four or five miniatures. It's like on a much smaller terrain level or there's going to be elevation. It uses like, you know, cards with your units uh, powers and abilities. But so far they've announced a whole bevy of different kind of uh characters everything from clone commandos to django fett to asaz ventress a whole bunch of stuff uh coming out it's yeah it's as he's saying it's you know it's causing a bit of a ruckus in the legion community because people are like oh my gosh is is star wars legion gonna die now because atomic mass games can't possibly make two star wars miniature games ongoing at the same time it's like you know how it is people tend to kind of just jump ship um <laughs> one extreme to the other so <laughs> but i'm looking forward yeah. to it i'm i'm jumping on board i have a facebook group the unofficial star wars Shatterpoint community um i will uh put it in the chat if you guys want to join it's uh it's up there for us to just hang out and talk the game so 
yeah, that's going to be coming out in June. I don't know any of the details on the actual game mechanics just yet, but yeah, that's something to look forward to. So besides that, we're going to get into our review for Star Wars Andor Season 1, Episode 10, No One's Listening. Nope, that was last week. I keep doing that for some reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This episode is called One Way Out. How could I forget that? It's so iconic. I feel like that's going to be people walking around conventions saying One Way Out now with like the prisoner suits on. Yeah. Like, I oh, feel yeah. like what we'll could definitely... happen. I feel like what could happen now is there's going to be the instead of the running of the Will Row hoods at, at Celebration, the people running around with the orange jumpsuits and the ice cream makers, there's going to be a legion of people with the prisoner costumes on going, one way out, one way out, and running around. That would be great. Oh, oh yeah, you'll definitely, you'll definitely see people cosplaying and stuff like that for sure, I would say. Yeah, so let's dive in, Ben, because th the majority of this episode is what we expected, right? There's a pretty uh, predictable pattern for the most part with Andor. You have those first two episodes in an arc that build it up, and that last one of the arc, the third one, is really the climax where everything just comes crashing down and all the mayhem happens. So we had that marvelous, uh, you know, just show-stopping kind of adrenaline-filled escape. But then you also had some cool stuff happening with Mod Mothma as well as very interesting rendezvous in the under levels of Coruscant between Luthan Rail and an Imperial Turncoat ISB agent. So what was your initial reaction to this episode? Alright, so like you know, of course you have all the stuff with Cassian. That was that was a lot of fun. Like I said like I said in our group chat, for starters, I really, really liked this episode a lot. Like it was it was probably my favorite of the series so far. Like, this just keeps building, which is good. But um, but for me, you know, the stuff with Cassian was really good. Um, the stuff with Mon Mothma's um, getting more and more interesting. But man, like, the stuff with Luthen, like, he is literally, like, so intense and so over the top. It was kind of making me, like, nervous and antsy. Like, him, just the way he was talking, like, so... It just felt like he was... I don't know, it just felt like he was crazy almost, you know? Like, just the way he was talking to the Imperial guy, like, it literally felt like he was, like, almost going, like, like mad for the Rebellion, you know? Like, it just... I think that was one of the best scenes we've seen out of all, like, of Andor so far, was that entire sequence, because, like, it was just so uncomfortable watching that scene. Uncomfortable in a good way, but, man, like, when I was watching that, I was I was kind of getting the chills. I was like, holy smokes, like, this guy is, like, off his rocker, like, way out there. Um, yeah. With his, like, dedication to the calls. And, like, but to me, like I said, the overall episode was really, really good. But that was, like, one of the biggest standouts for me because that was, like, really over the top. Yeah. No, I, I loved it because it shows what the Rebellion stands for. Like, somebody has to be the crazy one to have yeah. the wherewithal to just sacrifice like yeah what did you sacrifice exactly madar 22b uh, is saying in our chat here that was great for that guy um to just straight up like ask him and he just goes off on him like oh you want me to tell you here's this amazing monologue 
Um, something about the sunrise and you know being burnt by the sunrise, but never getting to see the, its its effects or something like that. To that, it was like an incredible, thought provoking line that he had said, and it was man, Scarlet Skarsgård is inc- is incredible, man. Oh, for sure. Like, like his whole. I thought he was gonna kill the guy, honestly. In that, yeah, in same. that whole scene. Yeah. The, like, the, the, I really thought. I, I was just waiting for it. I was just waiting and waiting, and it, it didn't happen. But I was waiting for it. Yeah, because he's trying to get out of there. He's like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I have this kid. Things are gonna be risky. But Stellan is just risking his life, knowing that he's probably gonna die. They're going to link him eventually. He's going to get shot, sharp shot, you know, sharpshooter's going to kill him or somebody's going to poison him or something, but somebody's got to get the ball rolling and it's going to be his sacrifice that we're going to look in Return of the Jedi when there's that successful destruction of the Death Star 2 and and all that. And we're going to be like, it was because of that guy, Luthen Rail, that all this happened, right? Mon Mothma wouldn't have been in power without him. And uh, it's just great to see the passion. It's great to see like what his intrinsic mo- motives were because up until this point, we just know he's like a dude. Just he's just the one in charge. But now we know why. What what's in it for him? Which is just self sacrifice. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I thought his whole speech of like self sacrifice was really good. And then do you hear he even put in like a little jab at the guy? Like basically like you know, they they would find, like, someone else for his, like, wife and kid, basically, you know? So I thought that was pretty, pretty an interesting little jab in there, and I was like, man, that's, that's like, really, like, a lot. Um, so, like, you know, his acting, of course, like you said, it was so good. Like, to me, like I said, it was, like, uncomfortable. Like, you know, the way they shot it, the, the, way, the way it was shot, that entire sequence, like, to me, was done so well. Because, like, I'm not sure about your, like, viewing of it, Chris, but, like, for me anyways, like, I felt like the way it was shot, we were, like, in that Imperial officer's, like, point of view. Like, it mm. felt like Luthen was talking to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know. I just thought it was done really, really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it just, it did its job. Like, it, yeah. it just, it, it, hit, it hit home really well. This is uh, this is exact quotes. I burned my decency for someone else's future. I burned my life to make a sunrise I know I'll never see. Like that is just holy yeah. crap. That is profound writing, and the execution of that dialogue is just it 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 wins you over. And yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy. Like when you're in war, that's what you do, right? I mean it's like you're you're putting yourself out there. You're, you're fighting for your country, so for the people back home to have the freedom and, and the, the ability to live their life without danger, right? So that, that, that this hits is the galaxy, that though. Yeah, this is the entire galaxy that he's talking about. Yeah, like, I, I loved it. I thought, I thought it was done so well. I was happy the Imperial officer made it out, because I was like, man, I hope this guy makes it out, because I feel like he's... He's going to get blasted here in about 10 seconds. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting because I feel like when, I mean, I, I'm not sure with Tony Gilroy's history. Um, I mean, I've seen the Bourne movies, but like sometimes when you get these like profound monologue speeches, you know, the character gets taken out. So it makes me wonder if he's going to get taken out in the finale. 
Um, I, I do wonder think that. He will. And then it's just, uh, you know, because we have to be getting like some of these characters we know have to be getting getting killed eventually. I feel like they they have to be um, because yeah. they're. Not, I mean, it's the whole thing, you know. Oh, they're not there during Rogue One, but then again, like the galaxy's huge, so they don't have to be there during Rogue One. But like, I feel like Luthen's a character that's got to get taken out eventually. You know, some of these like informants, like the Imperial officers, they got to get taken out eventually, maybe. Um, and then, even uh, you know, as we as we start to talk more about even like the Cassian and uh, uh, Kino stuff, like. I mean, Kino, he's definitely getting he's definitely getting taken out. I feel like just because it's like, you know, what what happened with him when they were when they were doing the prison break thing? You know, he couldn't swim. So like, what's going to happen with him? You know? Yeah. So let's dive in. Um, no pun intended to that whole thing about <laughs> the Imperial prison, man. And I mean, we had the heist that was incredible, and now we have something that's equally as awesome. It's just. And this is what it takes, right? You got to have a slow buildup to just get the intensity that you want out of out of a sequence like this, because we get to see those little those little things pay off from everything with Andor being so, um, you know, observation, the observation of him going around, like looking at this guy doing this, doing this, and then like cutting that pipe. I was like, what is he doing in the previous episode? Is he actually like, what is that the point of that? And it's brilliant. All these little things coming together, the perfect plan, the way that he was meticulously spending days and days and days. And this is their only moment because you have the realization is we didn't hit it enough, uh, hit it home enough last week about the empire is more evil than we have ever seen. The fact that they are able to just like get somebody to go onto another floor after they've quote unquote been released. And then that guy spreads his word. And they're like, okay, we're going to just kill off all these people. We can't let this word get out. Just kill them all. Makes you understand like, what yep. are they building? First off, like it's that bad that they can't let any word go out, but just how they're like cattle. Like they're just like, yeah, just kill them all. No, no worries. Yeah, they'll never get. You're never gonna get out of here alive. Sorry. Bye. Like that was. Yep. That was chilling. Oh, one hundred percent. Like I think, especially the way this whole prison sequence played out and whatnot. You know, of course we're gonna get like some type of fallout from like the imperial side of it in the next episode. So it makes you wonder if it's gonna be something like you you referenced last week, Chris on. Is it going to be like the Imperial officers going like, oh my gosh, like they were messing up uh, DS1 or something, you know what I mean? Like, like they were messing with the creation of like parts for that. Like it's going to, I think we're going to get some type of a subtle reference to it being the Death Star or parts of the Death Star they were working on. Yeah. So I think this is what Andor, when he does link up with the Rebellion, He's going to tell him yeah. probably at the end of the season, maybe even like if that's how I feel like that's how the season's going to end is him joining selling scars guard. Who's going to unite Saul Guerrero's people and Mon Mothma and all them. And that's going to be like, this is the formation of the rebel Alliance. You know, something like we've seen in like force unleashed one or whatever, but he's going to be like, Hey, look, I was on this factory in Arcana five and, uh, they're definitely building a weapon and they're not going to know what the weapon is because they can't know what the weapon is because they eventually find out on Rogue One. But then Saul's going to get this information. He's radical and he's going to go out and as we see him in those Rebel episodes, he will try his best to pinpoint this thing, not knowing exactly what it is he's looking for, although he knows it's a power weapon of some sort. But 
what did you actually think of the speech that Lino or Kino gave with, with Andy Serkis? How what'd you feel about that moment there? Loved it. I loved it. I thought that was again, him and Luthen stuff were the shining parts of the episode for me. Um, the Luthen stuff, of course, for the craziness of it. And then Andy Serkis's part of it, or Kino's part of it, because it just it was so well executed like it was it was so great on a variety of levels for for one um obviously like the build-up of it like the editing the way it was cut like you know it, it had that like hell yeah moment like you know just like it built up and build up mm-hmm. and build up and build up like it was done really well in terms of for us as an audience for the prisoners but to me it was done really well for uh, Kino's character development as well, because see, I actually I actually replayed that or I re- rewound it um, after he finished it and listened to it again, because you can tell like, I mean, obviously like Andy Serkis is such a good actor and he plays it off so well from like starting, you know, it's the whole uh, how do I describe it? Like, it's. It's the whole, like, confidence thing. Like, you could tell at first at the start of the speech, he was, like, scared. Like, he was scared and nervous about doing it. And, like, he built up and built up and built up himself more confidence as a character, which is nice, in my opinion, because it shows... It's, like, realistic to us as an audience versus just actors reading lines. You know, just him just going out reading a speech. You could tell, like, the way he was saying that stuff, like the beginning parts of the speech, you could tell mm-hmm. he was like, kind of like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah, 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 so yeah. like by the end of, by the end of it, by the end of it, like he was building confidence in himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, I, I really, really appreciated like Andy Serkis's acting throughout that whole thing. Oh yeah. You see, I was like, I don't know what to say. Right. He's like, you're on the air for the entire prison. Thousands of people are listening to your every word. And it's just, it's yeah. so triumphant because you see something like like Cassian Andor. I mean, you got to give credit to Diego Luna. His performance, as always, is is, is awesome and oh, great. Because yeah. it's like I'd rather die trying to get out of here than just being killed, basically like cattle, right? It's like I'm gonna die trying. I'd rather die by a blaster shot than just being electrocuted randomly without me even knowing what's happening, right? So you got that whole thing going on. But like, what I got from this is this is the turning point for Cassian and being like. This is his moment to be like, I know what to rally behind. I know the Empire's terrible. I'm stuck in here. And that's the first time he really gets the leadership to get this ball rolling and to be having this camaraderie with these other people. Yeah, they're criminals. Maybe. I mean, some of them were thrown there like him, probably, like just wandering the streets. Hey, you don't you looked at me funny, you're going to jail for six years. Whatever. Like, so it's pretty uplifting in the music. And just, I love whenever you get that kind of monologue and you're seeing things happening over the monologue. Like, he's like saying, like, yep. leave no man behind. And people are just trapped. It's just like, you see the Imperials like cowering behind a closed blast door and they're just like, yeah, screw that. We're going to just hide out in here. Like, but it was freaking awesome without a better word. Just saying, oh. awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was so good. You know, like you said, I loved hearing him say, like, uh, you know, even if you see, like, people struggling, you know, don't leave anyone behind, like, help every person, blah, 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 like, 
all that stuff, it was just so good. Like I said, I listened to it twice because it was just done. He did it in such a good, good way. Um, you know, it's just Andy Circus like, shining. And, like, see, that show's right there. He needs to have more, like, live-action gigs because, like, he can for sure do it. Like, he has the range. He has the... I mean, he's clearly shown the range throughout this series so far. Yeah, he, he's um, definitely got the chops, but... Yeah, I was I was a little worried when they jumped off into the water. I, I had like those not flashbacks, but I, I remember in hearing about stories of World War II where in the South Pacific, like the ships would go down and and the sailors would jump into water and there'd be like a shark frenzy that would just like start killing yep. all the people. I was immediately thinking, thinking like, oh my gosh, like what creatures are in that water? Because it looks like it's a far away swim. To the, to the land there. At least we see uh, we see two people. What is that? Melshi alongside of Andor? Melshi, that was one? yep. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, you see Melshi, um, you see another one. And like like you said, to me, like I'm not doing deep sea ocean swimming in, in real life, much less swimming in Star Wars with who knows what aliens are, are oh in the in the gosh. water. Like there's no shot. Like, like if I lived in Star Wars as a universe... I'd only swim in pools. Like, there's zero shot I'd be swimming in bodies of water in that universe. Um, but, like, the fact that they're swimming across it, it's like, yeah, and then you got Andy Serkis. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I can't swim. I'll just uh, I'll just stay. But like, that's so heartbreaking uh, because at that moment, like, he's... Yep. I've watched that thing multiple times because he's, like, he's saying he couldn't really hear him. So Andor's, like, saying it louder in the middle of him saying it for the second time. He gets, like, pushed off, like... I'm like trying to understand yeah. like what what would happen if he was able to like stand. He's gonna have to jump. I mean, there's no way out of there. Like that thing's gonna crash eventually. Like they did they like they took down the power. So, but it was on auxiliary power. Well, well they they took down the power. Like you said, it was on auxiliary power, but they took took it down. I think. But the thing is, even if it doesn't, are we gonna see? What makes me nervous is. Like, after this, again, just like Luthen, actually, you know, that kind of connects to my Luthen point. Andy Serkis gives this awesome speech. Is, remember, you know, this, there's, he's still on that thing with all the Imperial officers that were less, left behind, like, and, you know, they clearly heard him talking over the speaker, so they'll know who it is. So are they going to get him, and are we going to see him getting interrogated by, like, Deidre or something? I... I hate to like, say this, but I, I, think, I think he's going to be dead off camera. I think we're just assuming that not everybody was able to swim all the way out there. And yep. even though they said, like, hey, we're going to, you got to help everybody. But then when they said that in the actual episode, in the monologue, he's saying that. And there's somebody that, like, trips over somebody else. And it looks like somebody got trampled. So that kind of led me to believe, like, these guys are just out for their own lives. Like, they're, they're going to go. And if that guy's drowning... They're gonna swim right by them. It's like, oh, it's terrible to think about, but oh, I think that's the way it's gonna yeah. go. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely interested to see because I think there's a chance too for this coming episode. I think if he's not dead off camera, I think we just get like a cold open cut, like to him, like the fallout of this, like him there, you know, at that at that factory. Like it's I think just, there's a chance yeah. we get that. With the with the Imperials like closing in on him and basically being like, "Hey, let's talk." Like, yeah. um just yeah, because gotta, there mm -hmm. has to be some type of con. There, you know, there's of course going to be some type of consequences to them breaking out because 
you know, like you mentioned last week, Chris, like, like when they break out, the imp- the empire has to freak out because you know they're like, oh no, our in- our info on whatever we're building is getting out there. Oh and it yeah, and it would ruin it, it. It would ruin the plans. Like, like, cause say what you want, you know, about like the emperor and stuff. Like, obviously, like Cassian and, and all these people, they don't know they're building a Death Star, like a planet destroyer. But like, if they knew it was like a big, like that magnitude of a thing, like the galaxy. In theory, at this point, they could still probably overthrow the Emperor, like, as a whole. You know, because you could get... They could rally a lot of the planets. Like, at this point, the galaxy's still not 100% with the Empire yet. Yeah, I feel like it's... I guess it's a little bit like, like uh, you know, World War II in Germany, right? It's like, yeah, you had, yep. you had a finite amount of people. If you got everybody in the world to attack this one nation like you think the nut that your numbers would be enough to just overtake run, them yeah. but obviously that war went on for several several years and it wasn't as easy as just painting by the numbers there um but yeah, yeah. so that's that's the obvious thing is like yeah if they didn't have the death star he's not standing on the death star everybody's swamping a coruscant but it's it's not that that easy because people are fearing them and that's the thing is the empire yeah. leads by fear uh, let's talk about Mon Mothma. Let's switch gears to Mon Mothma. She meets with this guy that's also from Chandrilla, and he's the mobster from what I mean. He's getting his money from unsavory means. She doesn't really want to do that. Uh, her advisor, not her advisor, but her previous uh, attachment, if you will, because I'm pretty sure that they were a thing at some point, it seems like. Um, yep. He's the banker or whatever that's giving her the money. So... But he's mentioning uh, th- this unsavory fellow that he wants to do this deal. If uh, he, you know everybody needs something, he doesn't care about money. Apparently, he wants to have an arranged uh, marriage with his uh, son to her daughter. Apparently, and that's like giving her flashbacks, and that's actually like giving not flashbacks, but like trauma, a little mental trauma, because as we've been seeing through each episodes, she doesn't have the best relationship with her and Perrin. Perrin are an arranged marriage. So she's thinking, oh my gosh, this this cycle is going to be continuing with my own daughter. I'm so unhappy in my current marriage. I can't imagine my own daughter having to go through what I'm going through right now. So she's straight up, this is the choices you have to make. And this is what's so good about this show is that it forces these tough, difficult decisions um, on these characters that are going to have far wide ramifications if you don't do it then you're not gonna have the money to support but is it's like you know you have to do the lesser evil whatever it's like it's very curious what do you think about this whole sequence with mom mothma well for starters the actor who played the the mobster guy great acting like that was on point exactly what i'd imagine from like that type of a character like he nailed the acting um so like hats off to him and then as for, like, the whole conversation, I was, like, at first when he said, like, not money, I was, like, oh, is this going to be he wants to be in a relationship with Mon Mothma or something, you know, something like that. And then he said her daughter and his son. I was, like, oh, man, so we're going, like, Game of Thrones style here. Um, yeah. So I thought I thought it was really <laughs> interesting. Um, and I do think, though, like... All right, so we I've talked about it many, many times leading up to this over these past few weeks. Like, 
Mon Mothma has to get to like that push off point. Like I think she's contemplating this, and her push off point is going to be doing this arranged marriage thing. Like I think I think that could be maybe her thing, just because like the way she like declined it and like the way they shot it, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It, it was made it, any. I mean, they could be tricking us with the way they shot it, but they definitely shot it in a way to make it seem like she was contemplating it, you know? So you have that. And then, you know, I just had a little laugh about it. I was like, man, like, they definitely have a little bit older of an actress, like maybe like 17 or 18 playing a 13-year-old. I thought that was a little funny playing her <laughs> daughter. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just I just think they, they introduced a new challenge to Mon... You know, all these characters are having their character moments. Like, you know, you have Luthen dealing with his stuff. You have Andy Circus dealing with his stuff. You have Cassian dealing with his. And, you know, we haven't got back to Mon Mothma. Like, what's she going to have to deal with? And now we're finally here. And, oh, her big, um, what's the old saying? Like, the come to Jesus moment is basically like, all right, are you going to, like, basically do this arranged marriage for your daughter? Or you're not going to get help with the rebellion. So, like, I think this is her, like, come-to-Jesus moment. Like, it's like, all right, what are we doing here? Yeah, this is, uh, we got two episodes left. So, these last two episodes, from what I've seen before, it's like they're part one, part two, obviously, going to be leading somewhere. So, yeah, it's, we're, we're dealing with the formation of the rebellion from a fun standpoint, What's this money going to do? There's this operation on Steer Garden. I guess that's not happening now because the guy got killed and then they faked his death from some kind of like carbon poisoning out of hyperspace or something like that. We know there's space battles coming because we see Luthen's ship, the Fondor, which is doing that spin lightsaber trick, killing TIE fighters. So that's coming up. We got, you know, so, oh man, this is... Very curious. I wish they would just do a two-episode finale. Dang it! Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would take that at this point. Like that would be that would be a lot of fun, right? We get these two, three-episode premieres. Let's get a two-episode finale for a change. Switch it up. Yeah, or not even two episodes. Just make it one long hour and forty-minute thing. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of doing it. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, is there anything else uh, notable from this episode uh, that you want to mention about, you know, the prison? the, the Oh, oh one thing. I, I made a video about this, going back to the first uh, pact. Um, I have a couple, couple different things. But the first thing is, like, that could have been a level 1313. I made a video about this. Um, that was the first time we've seen Coruscant's Underworld in live action since like attacker clones that we've seen it in clone wars that's it we we've we got that canceled video game that was gonna be about boba fett hunting down his armor and all so i was jazzed to see the course on underworld because it also calls back to the unused um footage of the test footage of that george lucas show that never got off the ground star wars underworld back in the mid 2000s he just didn't have the money or the means of tech to easily cheaply produce this thing it's kind of the same vibe i was getting i was like yes like this is fantastic i remember talking about in the lead up to this show that we might see an underworld of the Coruscant, and in fact we did i probably won't see any more of it at least for this season but i got what i wanted there so i was happy 
seen a lot of cool aliens, a lot of interesting ambiance, the neon, a lot of smoke and steam. It's just freaking great. Yeah, I think, um, you know, like you said, I feel like we wrapped, even though it was quick, we wrapped up the underworld part of this season. I do think we'll get that next season, though, because, you know, I mean, they already talked about how next season's broken up into arcs that are for years, not just the current time period. Like, you know, three episodes is year one or two, you know, episodes four, five, and six are like two and three. And then episode, the final ones are leading into rogue one. So I feel like one of those arcs, maybe next year might be more like underworldy since Mm. it was so quick. Like, and the way this show is going, I don't see us having another, meeting or thing like that because like the point of like that whole meeting with luthan it was kind of like us seeing his side of it us us kind of getting a hint there's an extreme side of the rebellion and then they're going to move on from it and then then we may see it actually play out like now that we have the hint like the subconscious hint now it's like we're going to see it play out in the final couple episodes i think yeah i i could see the if you're look i would love to see mandalorian tackle the course on underworld oh, yeah. right this was a big cut moment from the rise of skywalker by Colin trevorrow's uh what is it called uh this the script um duel the fates right uh, that was duel a big, the fates. Duel the fates. big 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 moments at the end of that film that were going to be based on the underworld of coruscant i want to see mando go there for some reason at that point that place is going to be uh, you know not even the capital obviously it's not going to be the capital of the galaxy anymore it's probably going to fall into disarray we know nothing about that location after like aftermath in the the star wars publishing realm of things canon so very cool there um i have a couple just little random stuff i've seen that were kind of entertaining here uh first one being we got a reference to Han Solo being let out of carbonite on that little f- hovering table. We've seen poor Olaf being zipped in a body bag, which was another first for Star Wars. I'm pretty sure we've never seen somebody's body being zipped up in a body bag in the galaxy far, far away, and then being floated past all the prisoners. Like, they all see this guy. It's like, what in the world happened? And I think that's going to be one of the things that helps, that helped probably get these guys on board with re- Rebellion. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, one of us just died. Let's, uh, I think this is legit. Let's let's follow this guy named Clem or Kiff or whatever his name is at that point. You know, <laughs> so, uh, that was something I noticed right off the bat at you know, f- you know, five in the morning when I was watching this episode. I was sharp enough to at least pick that out. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely um, you know a good kind of like breaking point for the prisoners. I would say to like help them do it because you could have easily gone into a whole prison moment like this and like have have Andy Circus give the speech and everyone be like, nah, we're good. We'll just stay. Like um so it's good that it worked. Yeah, another one I have is just the cinematography of the prison and when they escape, they do this faraway shot of Narcana Five's prison building and it basically is reminiscent of the imperial cog symbol which i thought was a really nice touch it wasn't exactly like it but if you are in the know like we are here or those of us watching listening you're gonna be like an instantly identifiable object is like yeah that's the sign of the empire and these people are escaping out of the empire into the galaxy which is a really cool 
symbolism right there. Oh yeah, for sure. I noticed that as well. Like I thought that was really, really good. Um, it was really nice, like symbolism without like hitting you on the head with it. Um, I do feel like though, I, I mentioned it last week, um, jokingly, but it is true. I think me watching the show at like seven, eight a.m. is better for my critiquing than it is at three a.m. I can say that because I'm I'm really enjoying this show a lot now that I'm not like dead tired. So uh, there's that. Yeah, I uh, I've been meaning to watch these more than once, but I'm actually yep. gonna enjoy watching. I think from episode six to the end in like a, a, a good weekend just watching it all in one breath as like a binge sort of thing so that's what i'm waiting that's what i'm waiting for so far um because i've been busy otherwise so i haven't really had time to fit it in uh like i normally would be doing but yeah i think that about does it for what i have to say about the episode i guess we'll just wrap things up and give it a good old score out of 10 here i'll throw it to you first ben yeah, I would say um, for me, like I like I mentioned throughout this whole review, I thought the episode was really well done. It was my favorite of the series so far because, like, the many things you mentioned, like for me, the highlights of the episode really were um, obviously Luthen. Like Luthen's stuff was just mm -hmm. so like I don't know, it was just so so unsettling for me watching that scene. Like it, it really was in, in a good way, of course. But it was like unsettling. It did its job. Like I really liked that scene a lot, a lot, a lot actually. And then, um, you know, the Andy Circus speech I thought was phenomenal. Like it was just one of those like awesome like kind of motivational things. You know, like I thought that was done really well. And then of course the, the cinematography throughout the episode. Um, you know, as you just mentioned, like from outside the prison, that was awesome. And then like the editing through the episode was done really well. Like so. You know, you briefly touched on it, but during the the speech of Andy Serkis, like, versus just watching him give the speech, we were, like, having his voiceover over, like, like we were seeing, like, things happening with his voiceover, which is nice. It's always good when we get stuff like that in uh, movies or shows. And then, yeah, I mean, like, of course the Mon Mothma stuff was great, but I think the Luthan stuff and the prison stuff, by far, was the best parts of the episode. But the Mon Mothma stuff was still really good in terms of just introducing a new you know she has to have some type of like a um like a foe basically like and the foe for her is like she's having to make these like really tough decisions and this one you know is going to come down to her daughter mm -hmm. whether she has to basically like put her in a, an arranged marriage or not so like i thought that was done really well giving her some type of conflict so for me overall I would say with all that in mind, like I mentioned before, this is my favorite episode of the series. I would wow. have to give it a 9 out of 10. Wow, 9 out of 10. Solid, solid. And yeah, I'm going to echo everything you said, everything. I'm broken record when it comes to these. I got to do better recaps because I'm always like, oh, <laughs> echo what I said. But you know, we, we, we were pretty concise, I feel like, on our appreciation of this episode tonight because uh, while it was a prison break, we got more than what I expected, right? We got this awesome stuff with Mon Mothma, really getting into the layers of her character, giving us her background, because it wasn't really spelled out to us quite so much about what her past was, but this one definitely gives us this, gives us her motivation, what she's after, the, the, the price she has to pay 
for this rebellion. Remember, we've seen her before, how she was just giving money, and then next thing you know, the whole thing on Aldani happens, and she didn't intend for that to happen, but she's in too deep. And now we see her getting in too deep again with these unsavory people having to make this thing, not for herself, but a sacrifice for her daughter. And then just seeing everything with the, the rebellion coming to life for the first time, through this prison, we get to see this actual uprising. I think word of this is going to get out and going to spread across the galaxy like Edward Bridger's call to help. And that's also going to help incite these people to start becoming brave and standing out against the crowd. And then, of course, we keep repeating it here. Luth and Rail talking to the ISB officer and just spelling out why people have to do what they do to get a revolution to get started. I'm going to repeat what you just said for your score i'm also going to give it a nine out of ten um i feel like every episode i've probably given at least a nine out of ten i'm holding my 10 out of 10 for either next week or the week after when i know this stuff is gonna hit an all-time high so there you go that was our review what do you guys think let us know even after the fact you can send us a message um, on Twitter, or just go ahead and email us, or whatever you want to do to get the word out. We want to hear what your score was out of 10. Uh, we got Dark Nerdy Gonzo, Andy Circus, and Selling Scars Guard performance nailed it again smashingly. This episode was another 9 out of 10. There we go. We have Rayside. Uh, she's here. Hannah's here in the channel in this stream watching us. You can watch her awesome appearance on last week's episode or listen to it. So, thanks there and madara 2b is just going along with our chat we're having great engagement as we always do and we love you guys to be here joining us as we do every friday at nine o'clock but that is going to do it for us we're going to wrap things up here ben what are you going to be doing this week where can people find you um i am going to be trying to figure out my new iphone over the weekend <laughs> that'll probably be the main thing i'm working on actually yeah but other than that i'm just going to be like catching up on shows probably watch a movie or two i think i think nope is coming to streaming really soon so i might watch that if oh. that's out over the weekend um and then yeah that's all i'll be up to and then of course working out you know like i mm -hmm. mentioned in the opening i'm slowly dieting working out lifting all that sort of good stuff so just uh trying to stay consistent with that so uh yeah i'll be doing that talking sports posting on instagram and twitter um, and speaking of those, you know, you guys can find me at Real Ben Maynard on Twitter and Instagram. And then for Milton's as well, Milton, you know, he always he'll post sports stuff on his Twitter. You can find his Twitter. It's Milton Weber and then the number seven. And then his Instagram, he posts all of his fitness stuff as well. It's just Milton, the number seven and then Weber. There you go. He couldn't be with us tonight, but he will be with us next week. He also loved this episode, so we'll hear a little bit from him next week about uh, his his thoughts on that. As far as me, um, I'm going to be basically back into my good old days of playing World of Warcraft. I'm trying to catch up um, before the expansion nice. comes out. There's a new new race class coming out, the Drakthir Evoker, next week. So I'm trying to catch up on all that content doing some raids, getting a story there. So we're going to we're gonna be playing more of WoW this week uh, and uh, seeing Black Panther on Monday. So I'm very much looking to, looking forward to seeing Wakanda Forever. I've seen it's getting really great reviews. And from what people have been saying, it's probably the best movie 
next to Spider-Man No Way Home uh, for Phase 4 so far. So looking forward to seeing how Phase 4 comes to a close. Um, Yes, I will be posting my comic book reviews this week. If any gigantic news happens, uh, I will try my best to get a a short little video talking about it. We'll see what happens this week as things randomly happen as they do. Uh, But enough of that. That's going to do it for me and Ben for Star Wars The Outer Rim Transmission this was episode number 82. Thanks, everybody, in the chat. We had Dark Nerdy Gonzo. We had The Race Side, Madara 2B. We had Battling Boston's. We had, uh, let's see, we had Aaron Daly. We had Kamel. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can join us next Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern. We'd love to have you guys in the chat hanging out with us. Uh, until next time, that's going to do it for us here. Have a wonderful week. May the force be with you in transmission.